from inside Memorial Stadium. This is the Huskers Radio Network podcast. All Huskers, all the time. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome into the Huskers Radio Network podcast. I'm Jessica Cootie. And I've got a little bit of a different episode for you today. If you listen to Sports Nightly and you follow us on social media, you know that we've been doing a series on mental health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we've been putting together a video series featuring athletes at Nebraska who wanted to share their stories, their journeys with mental health, and in hopes of helping someone else who might be going through similar struggles. Nebraska has tremendous resources with their psychology department led by director Brett Haskell. And one of the stories that we put together featured Nebraska volleyball's Kinsey Knuckles. That feature is out now. If you haven't seen it yet, Izzy Panetta with our digital team did a fabulous, just a terrific job helping to put this story together. You can go watch it now across all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of the above. But in putting together this video series, as you know, in editing video, there are time restraints as to what we can work with. But when I sat down to do these interviews with Kinsey and John Cook, such powerful interviews, powerful words that I I wanted to give you guys an extended version of those interviews here on our podcast platform. So you could hear the interviews in their entirety, unedited, just raw, hearing their perspective on mental health and um, the journey that Kinsey went through to, to work through her panic disorder. And if you're a fan of Nebraska volleyball, you know that Coach Cook puts a big emphasis on the mental side of performance in volleyball. And in talking to Coach Cook about Kenzie's journey, he opened up about his own journey with mental health. So uh, can we go back to when you first uh, started recruiting her, what you saw in her that you thought you'd, she'd be a good fit for this program? Well, I remember Kenzie was this undersized outside hitter passing half the court and just competing on a great team. I think they may have won the national championship, but they were one of the top teams in the country. And I just thought this great athlete passing half the court, hitting as an undersized player, she had a little chip on her shoulder, like I'm, I'm gonna show you big girls. And uh, I just, uh, and she's from an area that I've recruited a lot, Muncie, Indiana area and that program. And over the years, even when I was back at Wisconsin, I've been there a lot. and. So those kids are tough that come out of that program. So did you know then what kind of position she'd be playing for you? You thought, oh, she's just an athlete, let's get her here. We, we recruited her to be a libero. Okay. And uh, so that was what we were thinking was, we're gonna recruit her to be a libero. Cause she is, to, you know, she is undersized, but uh, Husker Powers changed that a little bit. She, she can hit. <laughs> <laughs> so can you take me back to that phone call when she calls you and saying, coach, I, I'm not gonna play the sport anymore. I'm struggling and I, might quit this whole thing altogether. She's can recall vividly that conversation with you. Do you remember that call from your end? Yes, and I, I got calls from several other people like she's just kind of gone off the charts or off the radar and and uh, they're worried about her. And so I, you know, fortunately at the time she would talk to me and I was talking her through it a little bit, uh, but she was struggling and I, at the at that time I was thinking well we may not get her but I just had this gut feeling that if I if we stayed with her and let her work through it 
um, that it was all going to be okay, and I didn't I didn't want to bail out. And, and I know some of the people were saying, you know, you, you ought to let her go. She's done with volleyball, but I just never believed that. And um, and I've seen it before, and you know they just got to learn how to work through it. So so at that time in those calls, you know. I had to figure out who could really help her, and that was her high school coach. Um, and, and she was the one I started communicating with because Kenzie trusted her and she knew her well. And I think if you ask Kenzie about her high school coach, uh, you will get some really positive, nice things said. Yeah, she recalls how big that conversation was with you because there were a lot of people that were just giving up on her because that's what she was known for for so long. So did you know in that moment how big that, that conversation was going to be to her and, and helping her through some of those hard times back then? She's never told me that, but I, when we, when she came here and visited, uh, you, some, in coaching, you get a connection with people. And I really connected with her for some reason. I don't know why. I just felt a really strong connection to her. And maybe it's because of her background, but she, you know, she told me what her goals and dreams were at the time. Uh, when she first visited, and this was before everything that happened, before she got out of volleyball, but she was somebody I wanted to fight for, you know, and I wanted to help, and I felt a, a connection there that there's something more here in this. I didn't know what it was at the time, but, but I really wanted to coach her, and I really wanted her to be at Nebraska. So when did she come back to you and say, okay, I'm, I'm back, I want to come here, and I want to play for you? Uh, it, it, several months went by, and, um, you know, we, we I didn't bug her or anything. I just kept checking in, letting her know we believed we were still going to hold that spot for her and trying to make sure she was working on things and working through things. And and uh, uh, so we just kept talking through it. And so I don't remember the actual day. Uh, like I said, I never really doubted it. I just I felt like she was coming here. And, and that was what my gut was telling me. What did you know at the time about what she had gone through with her dad? Did, did she talk much about it back then? Yeah, I knew a little bit, and of course I saw it on social media, and I, I inquired more about it. Uh, I didn't know all the details, but as we were going through that, I learned more and, and you know, all that, all that happened, and, and, you know, it's, that's a tough deal. So she gets here as a freshman and, you know, had, had a, lot, a great freshman year, right? What, what did you see out of her immediately during that freshman season? Well, she had come from a background of very su successful high school team, club team, so she was ready for our training and, and ready to go here. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I and probably what I want to say is, is that I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't too easy on her, but I certainly didn't want to be too hard on her. And I had to build this trust and relationship with her on, on how to coach her. And uh, because I think she came from some tough programs and I think she needed a little love. So once she goes through her freshman year, she had told me that her first, her very first panic attack was on her freshman season, but it really, really hit may, more so in her sophomore years when it got really bad. Um, what did you know what she was going through at the time? Did you notice something was wrong? What, what did you view, I guess, from, from her sophomore season and some of the battles she was going through then. Yeah, I, I knew about it because I think it was a red-white game. All of a sudden, I'm like, where's Kenzie? And she was out in the hallway breathing. <laughs> and so that's when I kind of first, I think, first started, or if you want to say when it first started or whatever. When I became aware of it was that moment. And I'm like, what's going on? And I said, she's back. She'll be fine. She's back there breathing. And, and uh, um, 
And so that opened the door for me to have conversations with her about this because uh, I, I had gone through in 2009, I had gone through some similar things and I got help for it and uh, actually right here on campus. And there's, there's a great article that just came out in the Flatwater Press about all this. And so I was able to kind of just talk her through like, hey, I've been there before. I know what, you, I know what you're dealing with. And, and we just made sure we had the right people around her and we were working on those things. And, and uh, you know, it's a work in progress. It's not something you just fix. You know, it's something, it takes time. And you got to work at it like treating an injury. You got to work at it. And hopefully I was able to, you know, communicate that with her. And I think uh, me having, I, I was able to have more empathy and understanding because probably most coaches are like, what? What, you know, what's going on? Why, she should be tougher than that. And she is a tough kid and she is a tough competitor. So that, that wasn't the question. It was how, how could she learn to handle all this? So I think knowing what I'd gone through and what I had to go through for myself and, how, and what I learned about what I'll call cognitive behavior therapy, it's, it's, there's ways to deal with it and you, you learn about your body and your mind and how it all works. So I was able to have conversations with her and I think have more empathy and understanding for what she was going through. Can you just describe how scary that moment can be, especially for someone like her that the first time experiencing that in the middle of a volleyball match with so much pressure and, and her, I mean, she's like, I didn't know if I was going to survive it. I was that scared. Yeah. I couldn't breathe that I couldn't hear anything. I mean, I can only imagine how scary that moment can be. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, you can't control it. It's hard to control when it happens. And uh, I, of course, that's never happened to me in a volleyball match, but uh it, it happened to me, and it was actually in the summer is when it start when I was starting to deal with some things like that, uh, and uh, but that would have to be really scary. And I've seen it a couple other times with some other players uh, in during volleyball matches. And I remember the first time it happened with a player. I, I didn't. We were on the road, and I didn't know how to handle it. And I just told her, "You get back in there." And she came back in and played great. But at the time, I didn't realize all that was going on. And again, we got her training and, you know, treated as an injury. And we're going to get this better. And, and she ended up being great. She had talked about at first she was, like you said, she's tough, doesn't want to show any emotion. That's how her dad was. And she, when she would go talk to Dr. Brett at first, it was like, mm -hmm. like she just like sit there and yeah. wasn't really open to being open at the beginning. So how did you see that kind of evolve with her too? Well, again, I think, I think in a situation like that, it's building trust and like admitting that I got to work on this because, you know, athletes want to be tough. I'm, I don't have a problem. You know, yeah, right, I'm, I'm fine. And that's just how these guys are wired. They don't get to this level unless they're tough and, and they have a lot of belief and confidence. They'll never, they would never survive at this level. So you've got to get through that. You know, I call it stubbornness. It's a stubbornness that they have to work through. And then she has to build trust with Brett and, you know, and then get to work. And, and, and that's what she has, has done. And it's now she knows and she can share that with other people and, and it validates the work that Brett's doing, it, you know, uh, that we're doing some good stuff here and, and we can help work through those things. Just, it's no different than having knee tendonitis or shoulder tendonitis. You got to work through it. I mean, we got you know, that's what I've tried to do here is surround our team with a great performance team to help them in all the areas. And sports psychology and, and the mental part of it is one, one, of, those, one of the big things. 
So she works through all the mental part of it and, and starts to feel better in that area. And then she switches the positions a, a year ago and goes from being a libero to, to the role that she played for you guys last year. How did you see her handle all of that? Because I know at first she was like, she was saying that she knew that she had to you know, work on herself first, but then whatever the team kind of needed her to do. And at first maybe a little bit of hesitancy, but then realized that she could play a different role for this team and, and help in that way. So what did you, what was your takeaway as a coach seeing her work through all of that? Well, just after working with her, I always felt like she would be better at middle back because she's so athletic. And when you play left back in our in defense and volleyball, it's like you're in this little box. Middle back, you're like center fielder. So left back would be the shortstop, second baseman. You just kind of have your little area. Middle back, you're the center fielder. You're running, I mean, you got 30 feet, you're running either direction. And so I always knew that would be her best spot. Second of all, she loves to hit and she's got an aggressive side in her because she was a hitter. And I, I would equate it to like when the baby eagle gets out of the nest, when I told her we were gonna do that, she was like, she started flying, you know, like, okay, I'm free now. I get to unleash a little bit. And, you know, she gets the biggest cheers when she kills a ball. She flies in there and, you know, she's won a lot of big points for us. And, and nobody thinks she can kill the ball or nobody thinks she's gonna get set because, you know, she's not your, 6-3 outside hitter. And then just for her to be named team captain going into last year too, uh, you know, I know that Brett and Kenzie both had talked about her being open to the her teammates and all of that and just working through all the things that she had to go through. How proud were you of that when she was elected as a team captain for this program? Yeah, very proud. And we're, we're always looking, you know, what develops as these players get older and go through our program. And uh, she was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, she's a relationship builder. She takes care of people. She knows what's happening before they do or before we do. And uh, she's, you know, she's, she has a gift as, as, as how to relate to people. Now, I don't know where, where that comes from, but she has it and, and she's now been able to help our team in a leadership role. A lot of coaches, you had mentioned this earlier, don't want to talk about the mental health, but we've seen it here recently, just how impactful it is on on student athletes nowadays why has that been important for you other than i mean your own experience but to know that hey these kids are going through some things and we got to figure out a ways to deal with it like working with the psych department over here yeah it's um you know it's been a rough couple of years with covid and and just all the uncertainty going on and um and then you know the other thing is there's high expectations when you play this program so how do you deal with all that stuff? And of course, we have ways we try to do it within our team framework, but some people need more, and that's where somebody like Brett can come in um, and help them on how, how to navigate and deal with all these things. And I've seen great success, and I've seen changes in players, and I, I think it is a very, very important part of our program. Um, in fact, w you know, we're spending a whole week right now just on training the mind. You know, we're not doing any volleyball this week. We're just working on how to train your mind. And in preparation of the summer and fall, we're planting seeds now for what, what it will be like in the fall. So it's, it's uh, you gotta train the mind just like you train an arm swing or passing technique. It's, it's all connected. And, uh, you know, coaches have been saying that for years, but now I think it's a little more, you know, there's probably a lot that was hidden in the old days or people didn't recognize, but now, it just seems like everybody's more aware of it and it's now we can do something about it.
Why do you think it's important for Kenzie to share her story? I think, you know, we talk to our players all the time about being role models at Nebraska Volleyball. You have a huge platform to share whatever you want to share and inspire people and make a difference in people's lives. And that is one of the things about being an athlete here. There's a lot of schools you can go there and nobody even knows who you are. Everybody knows who Kenzie Knuckles is. And she has a tremendous, I think it's a responsibility that she needs to share and make an impact and maybe help somebody else. And I've yet to ever see a Nebraska volleyball player back away from that because I think they realize, wow, this is, is pretty special. Um, and that go, it starts with me all the way down. And, you know, we, we have to be able to, to change lives. And what do you hope people learn about just the mental health journey? I mean, you talk about it's like an injury, but just being feeling like they can talk about things and, and that Kenzie had to work towards that. And, and I feel like that's kind of an important message she wants people to know, too, is that you, you can't bottle it all in because it could it could really bubble up and be a, a bad situation if you do. Right. And so when I did that article came out last week on the Flatwater Press, um, my phone got bombarded with people saying, thank you, I've been dealing with this, thank you, I, it's good to know somebody else has dealt with it. And, and Jessica, when, I, when this all happened in 2009 to me, uh, it was like, you keep it hush-hush and you just deal with it, you tough it, tough it out. And I realized all these other men, doctors I was going to and other people I were asking, successful business people and Coach Osborne, they were all struggling with it too. So I'm like, okay, we got a problem here and, and we got to, you know, we got, and so, you know, we put together a, a men's seminar for a day on mental health and how to take better care of yourself and how to, how to handle stress. So I've been an advocate and trying to be a role model and talk about it whenever I can. And again, I'd said it has to start at the top. And so I think our players see that and they hear me talking about those things. So, you know, it's an important part of our program. And, and uh, so it's, like I said, it's a responsibility. It's a privilege to play here. And that's part of the privilege is you have this responsibility to give back. You got to give her her degree, right? At, yeah. at, in the postseason. And so you think about that call that she called to you back in high school, like, hey, I, I wanna quit this sport. And then here she is, she's an impact player for you. She's a team captain, she got her degree. How rewarding is that as a coach to see a, a student athlete make that kind of journey? That's why I coach for stories like that. We sat down with Kinsey back in the fall in season as she was serving as a team captain, had made a position change and was kind of in a different role for this team. But um, in when I had talked to Brett Haskell about doing this story, she had talked about all the things that Kinsey had to work through, the, the major journey that Kinsey took to get to where she was today. And there's a lot of layers to, to Kinsey's story, a lot, a lot of layers. And so we sat down, it was about a 50 minute interview, 55 minutes that we sat down with Kinsey. You know, when we were done with the interview, Alex Verhurik, who helped shoot it with the digital crew said, I think that was the best interview I've ever heard. Uh, just the way that Kinsey was so open and she really, really wanted to give her perspective, to share her story because she is very convicted about helping others who might be going through similar mental health journey. So again, from the start to the end, wanted to, give you guys the complete interview, the complete story of, of where even volleyball even started. So that's, we start with the beginning with Kinsey and, and work through her journey to where she is today.
Let's go back to the beginning. How did you get into volleyball? Um, I started playing volleyball when my, so my sisters actually grew up playing volleyball. We have a club, my town's super small, so we have a club that's five minutes from our house. Everyone plays. It's like the known thing to do there. Like there's not much to do. So a lot of people go there and we had a lot of sports there, but yeah, so my sisters played and my mom loved the sport. I kind of just grew up in the gym. Like I was the little sister, like running behind the courts and all that stuff. So I started playing when I was like five. And yeah, that's how I started. I just loved the game because my sisters. So then how did you kind of find your own love for it? Like when did you kind of realize, oh, I kind of like playing this, this sport? Yeah, um, so actually my parents, like after I started playing volleyball at like a really young age, my parents were like, okay, like you need to play other sports too. Like just to make sure that I wasn't like just following behind my sisters and actually like trying to find my own passion for it. So I played basketball, I did gymnastics, I was a cheerleader. I did a bunch of other stuff, soccer, softball. Yeah, so I played a bunch of other sports and I don't know, it was kind of just like a lot of my friends played volleyball and I was good at it because I played at such a young age. And yeah, it was kind of just like, as soon as I started playing, it was like, okay, like fine, I'll try these other sports. But I knew in my heart, like I was always gonna go back to volleyball. That's awesome. So you were an outside hitter, right? Mm -hmm. when, you, when you were playing growing up? Yeah. Yeah, so what, how was that? Um, I mean, how did you transition into being a DS? But then what was that like? How, did, how much did you like being an outside hitter? Yeah, I loved hitting so much. It was just like a different side of the game. It brought out different sides of you. Like just like that, I don't know, that competitiveness. Like you have to find it in different positions that you play. So that was a big piece for me. Um, yeah, so like freshman year coming out and not being able to hit, I was kind of like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, what do, like, what's happening right now? So I guess just like trying to find that like grit and passion and like little things that you do. So it's like, as a hitter, you're like, oh, like I get to score this point, it's offense. So it's like natural a little bit, but as a defender, it's more like, okay, you have to find the small things that make you like really like um, bring that passion out of you. So that was a big piece. When did you kind of realize, okay, I'm really good at this and I can maybe go to college playing volleyball? Yeah. Um, I would say beginning of high school, I had a really good coach. Um, yeah, she was awesome and she was really good at like positive reinforcement and she was just like, she always had my back. She was just super like, like you're great, you can do this. Like she was on me, she pushed me, like that type of thing. But like, I think like in that moment when I knew I had someone in my corner that she had played college volleyball in my town. So like she was a big deal to me. and. I think once I heard that from her, it was kind of like, wow, like I can do this. Like I am pretty good. So yeah, I would say that. So, and you start getting, you know, interest from all over Nebraska comes kind of, what was the recruiting process like for you so young? Yeah, um, it was pretty difficult just being young in general. Cause I mean, I was 14 years old trying to figure out like what I wanted to do and whatever, but um, it was pretty awesome. It was kind of just like mind blowing. I was like, wow, this is happening. I remember, when John Cook called me for the first time, I was like at a baseball game my freshman year and I was like, they were like announcing in the background and I was like, oh my gosh, I think John Cook's calling me. And I like ran outside to the parking lot and I was like, hello. And he was like, K2. And I was like, I guess my name's K2 now. It was pretty awesome though, just like building those connections. And I think it kind of forces you to grow up and have to have that communication a little bit faster too, just being able to talk and communicate what you want. A lot of people, when you're younger, don't really ask you what you want. It's kind of just like, 
okay, this is what's best for you, or like your parents are telling you like what's, what decisions to make, but it was kind of like the first step when you were younger of like, okay, this is up to you. What decision do you want to make? So I thought that was pretty cool. So you committed as a freshman. What was it? I mean, obviously the history and tradition, but why did you feel like you could come be a part of this so young, like you were talking about? Yeah, um, I think a huge part for me was just how similar it was to my hometown. Um, Lincoln is a little bit bigger. A lot of people think Lincoln's small, but Lincoln is bigger than my town. Um, I would say the culture here when I came, like it was awesome and it was like, just something about like the way Coach Cook was like talking to me, it just made me feel like I was already a part of the family. And that's a huge piece for me. I have a huge family and yeah, I, I would just say like all of the coaches, like Jalen, absolutely love him. Like just the way he was talking to me and like, it just made me feel like I was already at home when I came here. So I would say that was a huge part. So you mentioned your family. Uh, tell me about your dad, what was he like? Um, super competitive if you if you know me I'm a little bit of like a um what's it called goofy dorky but like when it comes to volleyball like super just like crackhead energy and yeah he was like I think I absolutely got that from him he was super energetic super competitive um like he was the person that didn't know much about volleyball but like he was like on the sidelines like next shot, do this, do that. Like he was just really involved in volleyball for me and super competitive. How much did he enjoy watching you play volleyball? Oh, so much. He literally was like my biggest supporter, him and my mom, biggest supporters, um, came to a lot of the games. He um, moved away from, or for work when I was younger. But um, yeah, he flew out to a bunch of my games and yeah, he was just the biggest, my biggest supporter, I would say. So you were at volleyball practice when you found out he had cancer, right? Can you mm -hmm. take us back to that day and kind of getting that, that news? Yeah, um, so we had club practice every day. We had um, like different position skills like that we would do. So it was like setters one day, like different stuff every day. And um, so I knew that my mom wouldn't be coming to those. It's kind of just like an hour lesson that we would do. Um, so I was at one of those actually, and it was right when it was finished, she was like sitting on the sidelines and I was like, like something's up, like that's a little bit weird. Um, yeah, and I could just tell something was off. So afterwards, uh, we like went and we were like walking back to the parking lot and I was like, what's up? Like, tell me what's happening, like whatever. And um, I don't really remember like what my thought process was going through of like what actually happened, just because like at this point my dad lived in Nevada. so. I was like, well, like it never crossed my mind like it would be him. Um, but yeah, she was just like, yeah, you like need to talk to your dad. Like um, he is going to be moving back home in a couple of months, like whatever. And then just explain to me like his cancer and like everything like that. And I mean, I was super young at that point. And I think a lot of kids are like, no, my dad's a Superman and he's strong and he's this. Like you have this like this image of like your parents that like nothing could happen to them like that type of thing so I think in my head originally I was like well he gets to move back home like he'll be fine like everything's gonna be fine so I remember being really optimistic like as soon as I heard it. So how hard was it to watch him go through the fight uh, yeah. of cancer? Um, it was really hard just because like the things that I explained to you like he was super competitive he was like he was one of those dads where it was like if something was wrong he was gonna fix it like it was like he wasn't going to ask for help. He's super stubborn. Um, so it was really hard seeing him um, not being able to help himself and like just so different from his personality. Like he was really weak and 
I don't know, just the way that he was talking, I've never really seen an emotional side from him before. Um, so I think that was like the hardest part for me, just like being able to um, like see him not be himself and like having to like have others help him and just be weak and like crying and just like that type of stuff. So, I mean, as again, as a young kid, you think your dad is, there's no doubt in your mind, he's gonna yeah. pull through it. So mm -hmm. when he doesn't, I mean, how did you handle that? Yeah, um, I think, Honestly, it was up until I remember I got pulled out of school or like a week before I got pulled out of school. Um, I asked him, I was like, can you be honest with me? Like what's happening? Because I just remember like, like as a kid, like I kind of was like a little bit like sneaky and like I would like try to figure things out and stuff. And I, I knew that like I was young and like my mom and my stepmom and my grandparents, like they were hiding like a little bit of it from me. like not in a bad way, but like they were just like obviously trying to like sugarcoat things and not make me worry and like that type of thing. So like I just like asked him in general, we, he picked me up from school and I asked him, I was like, like how long do you have? Like I need you to be honest with me, like whatever. And I just remember him saying like, like I need you to be strong, but like I think I have like a month left. And like that kind of hit me because like up to that point, like I was like, no, like he'll be fine. Like I refuse to believe it basically. And then a week later, I got pulled out of school and it was my stepmom and she was like, you need to come home. Like he only has a couple days left. And I think like at that point I was kind of like, I, then I had to accept it. I was kind of forced to be like, okay, like you gotta figure it out. So once he passes, I know you went right back to playing volleyball. How much, did, yeah. I mean, did you deal with kind of that at the yeah. time or did you kind of bury it and move on? Yeah, um, that's actually something that I've been recently figuring out about myself um so i remember so the day she pulled me out of school um i didn't go to volleyball that day and then the next day um we were we kind of just all really like hanging out at the house or whatever and my dad was like you need to go to volleyball practice like you have a tournament this weekend and i was like what <laughs> like that doesn't make sense whatever and i i mean he was the type of person like if dad says you do it so like I was like, okay, like I'm going to volleyball practice. And um, I went to volleyball practice that evening and it was a Thursday and I, I came home and we all like had dinner, like whatever. Um, and we were like getting ready for bed and that was the night that he had passed away. So that was a Thursday. And we were going to a tournament leaving that next day. Um, so instead of leaving that next day, I decided to leave Saturday morning and drive up. So I, I had like a day afterwards to be with my family. But after that, I was like, no, like it's volleyball for me. Like I know he would want me to be doing this and he wouldn't want me to let my team down. So I'm gonna go and go to an away tournament right now. So it was like pretty instant. Um, I would say I did hide a lot of my feelings in volleyball. I think that just in general with athletes, it's like kind of your security blanket a little bit. It's like that place where like, well, I'm good at this. and. Yeah, like I can, everything else doesn't really matter because I, I come play my sport and like, I'm pretty good at this. So I think it was like a huge security blanket for me. And I kind of just hid away like a lot of my feelings and I just let volleyball do be everything for me. Yeah, I would say that was a huge part. So you end up quitting volleyball. Yeah. At what point did things kind of begin to unravel for you? Yeah, um, I would say, so I, I quit my junior year going into my junior year. Um, I made the 18s team at my club. Um, 
I would say it kind of was the exact opposite of a security blanket for me at that point. Um, I started to understand why, like in the moment when it was happening, it was just like, no, I don't like volleyball. Like, I don't like it anymore. Like, this is too much, like all this stuff. But I think as I got older and I understood my feelings a little bit more, like I understood like volleyball was that security blanket for me. It was what made me feel safe. It was something I was good at. It was something that took my mind off of everything else in the outside world. And I was 15 or it was my sophomore year, excuse me, but I was 15 and I was playing on the 18s team and I was a little bit younger and I had a coach that was a little bit different than my other coaches. Um, he got on us a lot more, like great coach. And in the moment I couldn't see that, but afterwards I realized like he, he was a great coach and it was, it was me that kind of wasn't used to like volleyball, not being a safe place. It was more like he was pushing us and like it was time to get better. And it was a growing experience. It wasn't just something that you could just coast through and use your athleticism anymore. So at that point it was like, whoa, like now volleyball is also becoming a struggle for me. And I think it like kind of brought up a lot of emotions that I couldn't hide behind anymore. So I think that was a huge reason why I stopped playing. What was that phone call like to Coach Cook when you told him, hey, I'm yeah. quitting this sport? Yeah, um, I actually think about this a lot, but he, I was very nervous for this conversation. I kind of thought, in my head, I was like, okay, like I just made this decision, no way will anybody let me play college volleyball. Like there's no way. Um, so I called him and I didn't explain much because at the time I didn't have that explanation. I just had those feelings that like I was uncertain of. I was young and I never really dealt with like the other issues I was having outside of volleyball. So I, I was a little bit confused as well. So calling him I I kind of just told him I was like yeah like I just I don't want to play like it's really difficult for me right now like whatever like I, I just don't want to play club and he was like k2 like you can still come here I need you to grow I need you to get better like play high school volleyball we'll figure this out I'm gonna call you back in a month when you have a little bit more of your feelings put together and we're gonna figure this out together and like at that point it was like that was a huge moment for me because I felt like like he didn't give up on me. Like a lot of people when I stopped playing volleyball, it was like, well, what's wrong with her? Like why? Because like, it was just like people expect when someone has this talent for like everything to go right and there's like nothing in the outside world that could affect that. And it was like a lot of people were confused. A lot of people were angry with me. Like there was a lot of like um, like news articles, like just like trying to guess what was wrong with me. And I was just like, nothing's wrong. Like, I just don't want to play like whatever. And at that point when I had that conversation with him, it just, it like lit something in me that it was like, I want to be at Nebraska. Like he cares about me. He's the one person that didn't give up on me. Like this is it. So yeah. Wow. So you come here as a freshman, all kinds of accolades are starting mm -hmm. libero. How was that to handle it at such a young age with so much, um, kind of on you in, in that yeah. spot at, at a program like this? Yeah, um, it, I would say like at first it was kind of just like a, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like that type of thing. Um, I think a huge piece was just having like great teammates that are all Americans and that knew how to like how to lead our team, like having Lauren's difference on your team, being able to be like, this is what we need. Um, that was very helpful for me. I would say like in high school and stuff like, having to be a leader all the time. It didn't really like, you didn't have the opportunity to like, kind of like sit back and just like watch the game and kind of play a little bit. So I would say like, 
yeah, just coming in freshman year and like having those players that like had your back and said like, okay, this is what we need. This is what we need from you today. And like, you need to be better at this so our team can be better or you're doing great at this. Let's focus on something else. So I would say like just the teammates here, like that was so helpful with like just being a freshman in general. So at what point did things start to get rocky for you again? Yeah, um, I would say last year, maybe like a third of the way into season. Um, I would say it was pretty similar to what I went through in high school where it was like, okay, like I'm not really coasting anymore. I'm not um, hiding behind volleyball. Like freshman year, I would say I was figuring stuff out and it was okay that I was figuring things out, but um, I was learning a new position and I was like, oh, I'm kind of good at this position again. And it was like kind of like that same like steps that I had in high school where it was like, I was hiding behind volleyball again. It was a little bit of my security blanket. Um, freshman year, it was like this new thing for me and it was okay that like I wasn't like the best and like I wasn't all the way like exceptional at like what I was doing. So I was like hiding behind my security blanket again, which was volleyball. And I would say sophomore year, I had all these expectations for myself and especially with like Corona and stuff, like I, I worked so hard and going into fall I was like oh like I'm like this is my year like I'm like I have a season under my belt like I know how to play this position now like like I was doing great and whatever and so I had all these expectations for myself and volleyball wasn't really necessarily going great for me once season started it was I've never really had like a mental side of the game before and that mental side was kind of like really showing through and <clears throat> yeah I would say third of the way through the season I was like oh my gosh like I can't hide behind volleyball because volleyball is what's like my stressor right now and it's my job and it's like it's no longer something that I can just use my athleticism for I think that's a huge part of athletics too um people don't realize like in high school and stuff you have to use your athleticism but like it's a little bit of skill but mainly your athleticism and it's like okay like you're good you're good and then you come to college and it's like okay you can't just use use your athleticism anymore it's like what can you do to be the best in order to play like what skills do you have and I think that was a huge factor just um, transitioning into understanding that there is a mental side of the game as well in college and with every sport there's a mental side and it is 50-50. It's not just the physical side, it is the mental side. And that was a huge learning factor for me last year. Um, yeah. So when did you have your first panic attack? Um, I would say, well, I actually had my first panic attack Minnesota game my freshman year. I literally couldn't hear, couldn't see, like, it literally, like, people were talking to me, but, like, I literally was like, I can't hear you. Like, I have no clue what's happening right now. Um, that was the first time it happened. And then I met with um, Brett Haskell right after the game. And I was like, what just happened? Like, I, I had no idea. And she knew a little bit and she was like trying to like talk me through it, or whatever. And I was like, okay, like that can't happen again. Like that was terrifying. Um, so I did everything possible for that not to happen. And then I was fine, like practicing and stuff, like going into sophomore year. And then it started happening again, sophomore year. And I was like, just really confused. like wasn't really sure what was happening it was like I couldn't breathe like I couldn't hear I couldn't see it was like tunnel vision like it was just really scary for me and yeah how long do they last um it depends like it could last like 30 seconds or it could last like five minutes because I was in the game the whole time so it was like 
I had to figure out what worked for me in order to like snap out of it, like be able to breathe again, like be able to see, like I had to figure that out. And for me, it was just like breathing and like trying to talk to myself and like, cause it almost felt like I was like outside of my body, like a little bit. And yeah, it was like really scary. So I like, I just had to figure out like what worked for me. Um, yeah. So like it, it honestly just depended. It depended on like that one half rotation where liberos get to come out. Like if I was like somewhere like near that rotation and I got to come out and like, like actually breathe and it was like, okay, like now I'm fine. But if I wasn't near that rotation, I had to figure it out on the court. And like, yeah, so it just honestly depended. What did your teammates and coaches do when that would happen? Yeah, um, for a long time, I tried to like just hide it and not really like show anything. I, I would say that's a big piece of how I'm similar to my father. Um, I didn't like to show my weaknesses or didn't like to show my emotions very much. And um, so I tried to hide it and I tried to like pretend like everything was fine, which made it worse. But, um, which I know that now, but I did it in the moment. I was like, Brett always tried to tell me that. And I was like, no, I'm not sharing that with anybody, like that type of thing. Um, yeah, but afterwards I remember I had a conversation with Lauren it was after um, after a game and it was me and Brett talking in the showers in the locker room and I was just hysterically crying and I was like, I like that literally felt like I was dying. Like, I can't do that. Like, we have to figure something out. And she was like, does anybody know about this? Like, does anybody besides me know about this? Because like, I'm not out there on that court with you. Like, does anybody know this? And I was like, no. And at that moment I was like, I know, like I need to talk to Lauren. Like she was our captain. Like. I would say we're pretty similar when it comes to like emotions a little bit and as a fresh or as a freshman too like I looked up to her so much and like I still do now she's awesome but um yeah I was like I knew I needed to talk to Lauren so she we or she came into the locker and we like all had that conversation and I was like just had to explain everything to her and that made things a little bit better just knowing that like she knows she has my back she knows what to look for so Oh, after the last season, I know that's when kind of you had a conversation with Brett and coaches like, hey, you've got to attack some treatment and figure out yeah. what's going on. Mm -hmm. Kind of take us through that process and that conversation. Um, I would say it was a hard conversation to have just because I don't like to show my weaknesses. I, I thought that being strong meant like not showing any emotions and that that was another huge thing that I had to overcome was understanding that emotions doesn't mean that you're weak. And yeah, so having to have that conversation and actually like you can ask Brett, when we first started meeting, I would literally sit there like this and she'd be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like everything's fine. Like I literally wouldn't talk to her cause I was just like, like, I don't like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need to talk about my emotions basically. And then after like probably a month of meeting with her, she was like talking to me more, talking to me more. And then I finally like decided to open up. So it takes me a while to be able to share my emotions and be vulnerable with people. But yeah, I would say just um, like the process of like having to meet with her. I met with her probably three times a week. And it was like, how can we figure this out before the next game? And I would say I put a lot of pressure on myself not to help myself for me i was trying to help myself for others i didn't want to let my teammates down and i knew that like i had to figure something i had to figure something out and it was like 
not just me that I was worrying about. I was worrying about this team. And like our team worked so hard to be great. And I was like, I can't be the reason like that we're not great. So I just put more and more pressure on myself, which is a downward spiral. So what did you learn about panic disorder then? Yeah, um, I learned that I learned that it's okay and that when this happens, um, it does feel like you're dying and it does feel like your world's crashing down and you're not gonna survive this panic attack. And I learned that that's okay and that's normal. I think for a long time, I um, didn't accept my mental illnesses because I wanted them to like just go away and I didn't want people to know about them. Um, but I learned that like, it's okay that this is happening and there is ways to work through it and not to fight it. I think that was a huge part just because um, I didn't want people to see me weak. But I think that's a huge thing that I've learned is that having those panic attacks and having that anxiety and all of the things that were happening at the same time, like that doesn't make you weak, it makes you strong if you can go through that and still wanna overcome it. And I, I learned that the hard way, but I think that it was a lot of work with Brett to try to figure that out. And I think this year was a huge like eye-opener for me. How important was Brett and the psychology department here at Nebraska in helping you yeah. get through all of that? Oh yeah, she was my superhero. Like I, I'm not sure that I would be the volleyball player. I know for a fact I wouldn't be the volleyball player that I am right now if it wasn't for her. Like when I say I literally would call her at midnight, like she has two children at home, dogs, a husband. Like she literally has, like I would call her like at midnight and be like, I'm not okay right, right now. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Like we have practice in the morning. Like what's happening? Like whatever. And she'd be like, okay, Kenzie, like breathe. Like I'd hear her dogs like waking up and like barking in the background. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Brett. And she'd be like, it's okay. Like she literally was everything to me like it was like she was that person that like I was okay being vulnerable with and like I don't know why I chose her I I mean actually I do she pried it out of me but um it was like she was that one person I was okay with being vulnerable with so when everything wasn't right I like she was the first person it didn't matter what time it, like she wasn't working at 12 in the night or at night but she picked up the phone and she was like Kenzie needs me right now and it was like I knew that she would always be there for me. And yeah, she was honestly my hero last season. So you go into this season and you switch positions mm -hmm. again. And then um, what, what kind of that pro was that process like, you know, kind of not being a libero, being a DS, but then also kind of finding another role uh, from yeah. the back row. Yeah, um, it was a huge process for me. I knew that this summer I was gonna have to work really hard and in the gym but mainly on my mental side with brett i think that's a huge factor also like athletes have always been told that the more effort you put into something the more you will succeed which is true to an extent but it's like making sure you're putting your efforts in the right place and with college athletics i think it's not just like oh like I'm not practicing the best. I need to practice more and stay after practice for two hours. Cause that's what I would do. I would literally like coach would have to kick me out of practice because I'd be like, no, I'm not leaving until everything's perfect. you know what I mean? And it's like, as athletes were told that like, you keep trying, you keep trying, you keep trying and you will succeed. And I think that's true to an extent, but it's important that like succeeding, like people know that succeeding isn't always like, you're going to be the best in your position. You're going to be the best on the court. You're going to, like do all of these things, like succeeding can be in other ways. And I had to actually open my eyes and learn that. And 
that was a huge factor of last season. I would keep pushing myself and pushing myself because I didn't know how to work on my mental, like my mental side of the game in order to succeed. So I would just keep pushing myself on the court. Um, yeah, so this summer I had to learn the hard way, like, okay, I had to put my efforts into the mental side of the game and really focus on that. And having a lot of real conversations that I was hiding from in the past um, that I didn't even know I was hiding from. Um, but being able to, like, just go through all of those things at once was really helpful. And, like, going and leaving the mental side outside of the game and like talking to Brett actually like working through things and then on the court being able to just be the volleyball player that I knew that I could be was a huge part. You talked about those different successes mm -hmm. being named a team captain as a leader for this yeah. team I mean what did what did that mean to you? Yeah um, that was huge for me um, so over the summer I like I said I worked really hard on like the mental side and stuff um, but it took a lot out of me to understand that like succeeding doesn't always mean like I have to be the best of the best on the volleyball court. And I think that's hard with athletes because it's like, that's what we grew up. Like everyone was proud of us for having a good game. And it was like, that's kind of what you're known as. And it's hard not to because we were so good. And it was like, that is what you're good at. So people are good at other things and we're proud of them for that. But like, we're, we're good at sports and people are proud of us for that. And it's hard going into college because it's, there's so much more to it. Um, but I had to realize that I can succeed in other ways and I can be a good person. I can be a great friend. I can be a good teammate. I can focus on school. I can focus on other things and not just put all of my value of who I am as a person into volleyball. And that was a huge thing that I had to learn. Um, so I just worked really hard on being a good person and really trying to focus on me um, and then the freshman class came in and that was a huge eye-opener for me too because I would like look at them and I would be like oh my gosh like I know exactly what you're going through like freshman year is hard and yeah just like really trying to get to know them and let them get to know me and explain to them like all of them are so different but being able to like explain to them that like I know what you're going through and like I'm here for you and just being able to like stop thinking about myself so much about like what's going through my head and actually try to use like my experiences to help others and ultimately that helped me like it helped me get out of my head and it helped me build great relationships and get close with my team and all of those things and for them to see that I think that was a huge part like I know I'm not a team captain because I'm an All-American or I'm the best of the best, but I know that like I'm a captain because I was there for my team and I was a great teammate. And to me, like that's the big, biggest success I could ever ask for. That's really special. Why was it important? Why did you want to share your story? I think it's important just because like I would say the mental side of things, um, it's hard. It's really hard as athletes to share and to feel normal with having that like mental side of your sport. And I think that like, if we can normalize that and we can make sure that like, people know that the mental side of the game is 50% and the physical side is the other 50%. I think that would be a huge piece. Cause I think a huge factor for me was like, no, that made me weak. I'm just gonna bury it. And I think that if I could have accepted that a lot sooner then it wouldn't have spiraled down for me. And I also think that like, 
athletes in general assume that mental illnesses are weak and that it's not okay. And I want people to understand that it is normal to have those things and that college athletics is 50% mental and 50% physical. And I also think that just making sure that you know that you are valued for something outside of your sport is huge. Making sure that just because we spend so much of our day in the gym or out on the field or wherever, like that doesn't mean that that's our whole life too. Um, and it's also hard because we care so much and I care so much about volleyball, but I didn't realize it was to an extent where I cared too much and it was making me not be okay in my outside life because I was thinking about volleyball so much and like all of that negative self-talk and everything else that caused other things in my life to downward spiral. So I, I think just making sure that you find other things besides your sport that are important to you and that you're valued in and something that you really care about because ultimately it will make the things that you are practicing a lot better. Is it kind of just like normalizing the conversation, mm -hmm. right? Because like you said, you thought you got to be tough, you got to hide it. Mm -hmm. It's important for even a fan sitting in the stands to understand that this yeah. mental health thing is real and it's something that we actually battle. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge part too, just because like you can't physically see when someone's going through something in their brain, you know what I mean? And it's like that, that was also really hard for me just because like I, I never understood, I think it's, I think mental health is something that like people truly don't understand until they go through it. So I think that was a huge part of like me not wanting to share with others what I was going through just because I felt like, cause honestly, like this time last year or two years ago, like I was a person that tried not to think about my mental health and tried pushing everything aside. And it was like, I didn't really understand. And last year when I was going through, or last season when I was going through that, it was like, I didn't want to share with others because I felt like it was something they would never understand unless they went through it. And I think a part of that is true. I think a, a lot of people, when they think about mental health, if they haven't severely gone through something or like severely had a mental health issue, then like, they don't understand it as much as people that have went through it. And I think a huge thing that stuck with me was when Brett Haskell told me, well, you have a mental health injury. When someone has a, a physical injury on the court, people can see that. And it's not like they're upset with them because they broke their ankle and they can't play. And they're not they're not calling themselves weak because they're not out on the court because they realize, oh, I have a boot on my foot. Like, I, I can't do that. Or I can't play the best I can because I have a boot on my foot. And it's like, people can see a physical injury, but you can't see a mental health injury. So when people can't see that, they don't understand it as much. So I think that's a huge part, just like not only the person that's going through it, but others in general, understanding that mental health is serious and it's normal and a lot of people go through it and a lot more people than just the people that speak about it. A lot of people actually do hide it as well. So I think if just in general, like it's hard because the society that we live in with social media and like the perspective that we have on like being perfect and just everything like that, like everything is shown on social media and it makes it really 
hard with mental health as well. So I would say just like as a society, we need to be a lot better with like understanding how important mental health is and that a lot of people go through it and what those signs are. Because if I could have known, oh, I'm having panic attacks and this is what it is and it could lead to this, maybe I could have stopped things a little bit earlier. But instead, I, I didn't know what that was. I was confused and I didn't want to accept it because it wasn't normal and just stuff like that. So I would say just normalizing mental health in general. That's a great point. How much did um, you not, I guess, handling your emotions with your dad back mm -hmm. when you were so young play into kind of where this took you? Yeah, I think it was a huge factor. I think I never really grieved the loss of my father because I just put everything I had into volleyball and I just hid behind it until I couldn't anymore. And last year I couldn't anymore because volleyball was the place where I was struggling. And then it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm not dealing with it on the court. So outside of the court, it was like my whole life is just terrible. You know what I mean? So it was like, I didn't have anything to hide behind anymore. So it was like every issue in the past that I never dealt with was like right at the surface and it was, I was just overflowing, yeah. You talked about it a little bit, but what is a panic attack like? Like describe what you go through when it happens. Yeah, um, it's almost like you can hear your heartbeat, but you can't hear anything else. You can't really breathe. It's almost like, you know, when you start hysterically crying and you like can't catch your breath and you're like, <gasps> like that that's honestly like that's what it feels like and it's like I'm not crying like what's happening but it's like I can't breathe and then I can't hear anything like I could hear the fans in the background but it was almost like echoing like I couldn't actually hear and then like I could see what was in like directly front of me but like on the service line when they were serving it everything was like black like I was like blacking out and it was like you could see it in my eyes. Like I literally, like I just had the biggest eyes and I was just like, what is happening right now? And there was nothing I could do. Like, it wasn't like I could like run off the court or be like, sub me out. Like, no, I had a different color jersey on. Like I, I can't just run off the court unless we want a middle to serve receive, which I mean, I'm sure Lauren or Callie or Kayla or anybody else could have done it. But I was, yeah. So I was kind of just stuck in my panic attack, but also trying to play a game. So how often did it happen like last year? Um, I would say around like 10 times. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, sometimes in practice, but mainly in games. I couldn't figure out why it was mainly in games. I'm assuming just because of like what was on the line. I think a huge piece for me, like I said, was like not letting my teammates down. And it was like, okay, if that team really wanted to win, they could serve me every single ball while I'm having a panic attack. And then everything we just worked for is gone. And like, th those are the thoughts that were like going through my head and it was like, how am I supposed to just play a simple game while like also battling all of that? So Well, you thought you were dying. Yeah, when I literally thought I was like it felt like I was like falling off a roller coaster. And I'm scared of heights. So like that was like another factor. <laughs> but wow. like yeah. Looking back now, how important was that decision to come to Nebraska? And you think about the journey that you made with your mental health and um, the progress that you made and the help that you got, the resources. How thankful are you that uh, you did make that decision to come here. Yeah, I think volleyball, but more specifically Nebraska volleyball, saved me in so many different ways. It saved me because I would have never dealt with those emotions had I not been here. I would have never pushed myself like I have in the past while being here. I would have never had the resources 
to actually help myself and I also wouldn't have had the resources to understand what I was going through. A lot of the information that like Brett talks about and like shares with me like or tells me that I'm going through I didn't even know and then after she says it I'm like oh that makes so much more sense like Nebraska volleyball in general John Cook just allowing me to come here just all of those factors I think about that all the time like I don't know who I would be if I wasn't here like I'm such a different person than I was three years ago before coming here I've grown so much with my mental health and I can actually say that like I'm going in the right direction. I'm not hiding behind those feelings anymore. So I would say it saved me in so many different ways. Wow. Thank you again to Kenzie Knuckles, to Omar Manning, to Maddie Holland, all of the athletes that shared their journeys. I think it's made a, a big impact. And when I talked to Brett Haskell with Nebraska Sports Psychology, she said when these stories are posted, their inbox and their voicemails are flooded with people who reach out for help. So she wanted me to make sure that I put out some resources that if, if you need help, if you know someone that needs help, you can have that info. And I'm going to drop the uh, all of the information here in the description. But just so you know, you can call the National Alliance on Mental Illness Helpline, one 800 950 NAMI, N-A-M-I, that's 6264. She's also provided some information of where you can find affordable psychological treatment. So that is at www.finetreatment.samhsa.gov slash locator. You can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK. 8255. And again, I'm going to list all of this information out in the description right below here where you uh, listen to this podcast so you can see it right there um, as well. But thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being so open to hearing these athletes' journeys. I know it's it's so important to them, again, to share, to maybe help. And, and it means the world that you want to hear it and you want to listen and you care. Once again, I'm Jessica Cootie. Thank you so much for listening.